Welcome to the Sales Acceleration Show. My name is Michael Humblet and I'm the founder of Chaomatic. And in this show, we will do everything to accelerate your business. And as you see, we're in a new setup, we're in a new stu studio, we're still working on it. And talking about studio setups, product and engineering is a part we've never ever discussed in this show. And it's absolutely key in order to scale your business. Typically, engineers will tell me, Michael, a good product will sell itself. And I'm a sales guy. And I would say immediately, that's complete utter crap because I can sell stuff that does not even exist. So I've invited one of the best product engineers in the whole of Belgium, Europe, worldwide, Andreas. Tell our viewers Thank what you. you do. So I'm Andreas Keten, the founder of Made With Love. Uh, we're a company that helps other companies build digital products. Uh, we work mainly for startups and scale-ups. And we do that in three different ways. Originally, we were a software engineering company. So I'm a software engineer myself. Uh, and we moved a bit more into the product space because we figured that our clients were struggling a lot with converting an idea into a product. So mm -hmm. we would have people coming in with an idea and just telling the developers, like, build this idea, but that always fails miserably. Um, so that's why we started doing uh, also some product work, first for free, just because we, we feel, felt that it was needed. Um, mm -hmm. And then um, we really made a product out of it, so we do the product management now. And then we saw also that there was a very big problem um, for bridging the gap between non-technical founders and a technical team. So yeah. the, the non-technical founders and the product and engineering team. So, so let's, I'm gonna stop you there. Sure. So let's, let's dig into that a bit. So yeah. I wanna keep it very pragmatic so people sure. can actually do something instead of yeah. keeping it you know, high level, yeah. right? So I'm non-technical founder. I have a company and I, I'm running a bit of technical team. What's, what's my biggest issue? How should I, should I overcome it? What should I do? Yeah, so, <clears throat> I mean, you already have a technical team that's you're already a on a good way, yeah. yeah. So, sure. um, probably the biggest and, and issue... sitting on Upwork. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, that's not a good idea. <laughs> so, if you already have your own team in-house, then you're already uh, way ahead of most of your peer co-founders, uh, peer founders. Um, if that's the case, most of the time the issue will be that you'll have some technical people that do their job, but they might not be able to scale it up. Yeah. Um, so they might be normal programmers um, that actually don't really know how to build like big systems or don't have experience with big systems, and that's something completely and different. And they focus on like shorthand <laughs> features and. Yeah. Um, so what you would see most of the time is like people coming from agencies, like advertising agencies, that are hired by non-technical people because they think yeah, they can program so they can build something but making a website for an advertising campaign or a small application is something completely different than making a SaaS application yeah. and that's a struggle that we see a lot like recently I was in a startup where they hired someone to be a JavaScript engineer and actually they were just someone, to, someone who can do HTML and CSS but the founder didn't see the difference you know, so that's, that's a huge problem. I, I promise you it would be like a technical engineering show and clearly JavaScript, we're getting there, but please, please continue. So, so, I'll then, just pretend to listen. Yeah, that's good. Stare in so, the but, but, and then if you don't have your own team, what, what will happen most of the time is um, as a founder, so let's say you're just two people trying to, to get something started, you're not technical. Um, what, will, what will happen is either they will try to find a technical co-founder and then it takes them two years to find someone. And then uh, when they bring the person on board after three months, he quits because he doesn't really like it, something like that. Or you start working with an external agency like Upwork or really local agency. Mm -hmm. But the problem with that is most of the time that those agencies, they have the business model to keep the client for as long as possible and really try yes. all the, pull all the money out of it, right? Um, so what we do is completely different. So we try to stay in a company as short as possible. So we come in, 
Um, we have two types of projects, like the greenfield projects, like we call them, like projects that there is nothing yet, we build them from the ground up. And in there, what we try to do is we come in with a team that's already rotated, so we can start from day one, so we are productive from day one, so you don't mm -hmm. have to build your own team. Building an engineering team takes around nine months normally. So we come in, we're productive from day one. From that day one, we start building your product, and alongside, we also start building your own team. So yep. when we are done, 12 to 18 months inwards, you have, you have your team on your side and we start de decreasing the people from our side. Yeah. And most of the time, we also keep some, uh, like for example, the CTO probably will be someone from our side and we yeah. keep him for a longer stretch in sounds, time. Sounds very yeah. similar than mine. Yeah, actually. Yeah. So, so let's go back to the problem. So I want to do that before I met you guys, never heard of you guys. Yeah. What do I do? What, what, what's the main thing I need to fix first? You need to get an understanding of what needs to be built. That's, mm -hmm. that's very important. And then you, of course, need to find the right people to build it. It's possible that you'll find an agency that can build it in a, in a good manner. Um, but selecting that agency is, is very hard. Like I recently had a client that went to, I think, Ukraine or something, and they were very, very lucky to have found a company that actually did a very good job. I was really mm -hmm. impressed. So, but there is a lot of people that come to us and, for example, they say we're too expensive or whatever, or we don't have the time. They go to India, Poland, whatever. Uh, and then they have to come back after like six months. They lost a lot of money and we have to do everything over again. Yeah. So, so what's, what's the other problem you see with if building a product? So I'm an existing company. I've been building a product for two, three years. Mm -hmm. I have first market traction. I'm actually selling pretty <laughs> good. I mean, we both know several of these companies. And then yeah. you feel suddenly, suddenly the machine stops. Yeah. Stops. So the, <clears throat> I mean, sales and marketing wise, I don't know anything, right? No, um, product, don't worry. Product, I, got it, I got it covered. <laughs> product wise, what you'll see is... Um, some of the very high growth uh, scale-ups, what they did in the beginning is um, what we say is like building a lot of level of features, right? Yeah. They have like a huge feature creep and they're just building, 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 and they don't realize that on the longer term, they also have to maintain that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so then three years in, that first feature that you build needs to have some changes. And then when you start touching that code, everything starts collapsing, yeah. right? That's one situation. That's a situation in which we intervene a lot. Um, so we bring, then bring in some of our senior engineers, some of our product managers to actually try to figure out how we can mm -hmm. get out of it. Um, so that's, that's something that, that happens a lot and that's something that we see um, happening a lot. Also, what you will see is three years in, <clears throat> if you have um, initially have a, a technical co-founder, CTO, let's say, um, probably they're not the right person to grow the company from day one till 100 yeah. or 150 people. So what happens a lot is that the, te the technical co-founder or the CTO, he starts building a team and then he doesn't realize that he is not a good manager. So he keeps building the team and then at one point in time, the team turns against him or he gets fired yeah. by the board whatsoever. Yeah. And then you have huge issue because that person is probably one of the key persons in your organization. Um, and if he quits or if, if he needs to get um, thrown out, then there is a huge knowledge gap. So what would be your advice in those situations? So we have a theory that um, there is different um, roles that you need in different stages of a, of a start and scale up. Uh, and also the CTO, we don't think that the initial CTO, like, which is like kind of a hacker, building quick, quickly building things, mm -hmm. making a proof of concept, maybe the first MVP, is not the person that's going to be your CTO or a VP of engineering when you have like 100 engineers on yeah. the side. We, we um, have the same old sales yeah. and marketing. Yeah. So that's, that's a logical thing. It's very logical. But for some yeah. reason, non tango people think that just the best engineer is also the good CTO. That's and that's not... Peter's principle, actually. Yeah. You just... Yeah. Promote yeah, and promote and then yeah. they, they fall off a cliff. Yeah. So what should you do then? You should keep that person and give so, him another role? Yes. Because so, it's tough from a, from a 
motivational, uh, yeah, I think it's, personal it, point of view? I think it's very sad to let them just go. Um, mm -hmm. Ideally, they realize that they need to step aside. And, and what, what we prefer in that situation is that they become a consultant to the product and engineering team. Yeah. They actually are the person who had the initial ID and they know what they have built. So they need to work with all the engineering teams and the product teams to actually continue on their vision and making sure that, I mean, they know how the application is built, so they yeah. need to help also the teams to figure out how, how to make changes to the things. So ideally, keep them on board. Um, maybe then after a couple of years, they actually leave because they, they are bored of the position they're in. But also, I think um, if, if they are communicated, for example, you can actually pull them aside to be like a, a developer, developer relations person, like going into conferences, mm -hmm. uh, preaching for-, for like evangelistic yeah. roles. There you go, yeah. yeah. What would be your, because I get the question a lot on sales. I'm just wondering if what would be your dream team from a pure engineering point of view? I mean, let's say yeah. we have three phases: small, mid, yeah, and large. Yeah, it's, of it's very hard to just say it out of my head because we have like a huge, we have like really a model for that. Yeah. Uh, but initially, you need a couple of hackers, people that just can bring things together quickly. A good designer, a good product owner, like, who, a, no, like yeah. the, the user interface, yeah. it needs to be attractive. There you go. Then, when you start scaling up you need to still have those hackers for the speed. But you need to have also what we call like uh, developers, which are more like people that execute, right? Mm -hmm. To actually maintain the thing. And then when you grow even bigger, you will also need some software engineers that actually can um, build the, the, the core systems, like the frameworks and everything in your... So you have like three levels of people, mm -hmm. the hackers for the speed, the developers for the stability, and the software engineers actually for making the, the infrastructure side of things. And that's how you scale it up. You yeah. start adding yeah. depending on where you are. And you need to have a mix of those. If you have too much software engineers, um, you're going to overcomplicate things. If you have too many hackers, you're going to end up with a very <laughs> hacky system, of course. If you have too many developers, then you're going to have a status quo. Yeah. So that's that's where you that's why you need to have a good mix of the, the three yeah. types of engineers. You is there a difference between SaaS companies and and other software companies? I'm curious because I mean I I have a lot of SaaS sales people in this show mm -hmm. actually, but I well, sometimes feel there is a difference. There. I've always been in SaaS as well, so yeah. for me it's very hard to say, um, but I do think there is difference, especially in how we. Uh, because with SaaS, you can actually deploy every day. We can put new things online every day. We can iterate very fast. If you're building a software product that needs to be installed on a computer, mm -hmm. there is a completely different product lifecycle. Yeah. And that's something that I have no experience with, for example. Um, but I, I imagine that that's a completely different way of working. One of the things that I see a lot is when I enter and we just talk sales, I look at the product and typically what they do is they start up, they have this monolithic block of code and then they try to sell it and I said, you need to slice and dice, you need to have features because I need a reason to upsell and yeah. ask more money. So I'll start looking at, not at the code, but at the features, just yeah. list me all the features because they always will tell me, Michael, I can't cut it in pieces. I said, yes, you can. So, and then I start slicing and dicing it. So I can actually say, I'm just saying something, five euro a month and then it's 10 euro mm -hmm. and 15, even if the 15 doesn't even exist, the corporate ones, let's build it. So, But that's a very sales and marketing approach. Yeah, it's, it's a good approach. Um, but if you, if you <laughs> but don't- I do it like this, huh? Yeah, mm, if that, you don't have that from day one, if the engineers don't know that, that that's a strategy from day one and they didn't envision that it would be the strategy one day, probably they will not be able to quickly build that. Uh, mm -hmm tiers of, of, of pricing tiers, right? So it's going to be quite some hassle probably to build that into all the parts of the code base. Um, 
So that's probably why it's not always very uh, easily done. Um, we have a technique that we use, which we call feature flagging, where we actually, um, every, every functionality is encapsulated in, in, in a small box, mm -hmm. and we can put that box on and off, also for release purposes. So we can say like for this box, uh, we deploy this version uh, to 50% of the users and the other version to 50% and we can do like A-B testing and stuff like that or just to do like uh, rollouts. So we can, you can use the same technique actually for, for the pricing uh, because we already have those like triggers in there. We yeah. can actually easily put them on and off. But that's a technique that is in Belgium. I mean, I also have a company in San Francisco that it's, that it's logical to work like that. But in Belgium, it's something that a lot of companies don't know about. We're trying to educate about that, but it's it's hard. Mm -hmm. um, and also because people don't think they have the time to actually think about doing those kind of things and do them properly. But yeah. if you do that properly, you will save time on the on the longer run. What's what's the thing that would frustrate you the most when you get to company and I think oh, they would go again, yeah. <clears throat> right? Haven't what, they watched the movie? Yeah. What, on what what we see a lot is. Um, we, we, we work a lot for investors, right? So um, investors come to us and they have a portfolio company that there has troubles um, or they ask us to do an audit and, and then afterwards they ask us to intervene as well. And um, most of the time the founders, they think there is a problem with the engineering department that they're not executing correctly or it's just lazy people, right? Um, <laughs> and that's absolutely not the case. And that's really, that's how they also are also most of the time perceived by the rest of the organization, like coming in at 11, 11 in the morning, uh, and then those other people leave at six, but the engineers are still there till 11 in the evening and they don't see that, right? Or they need to wake up at night and do things because things are crashing and stuff like that. So they don't, most of the time they don't see what they're actually doing. And it's also not very tangible because they don't know what they're doing. Um, and, and so um, what you would see is that the founder, they often think it's an engineering or a product pro uh, problem. Most of the time it's a culture or strategy issue. Mm -hmm. So we have really worked in, and we're still working in companies where after a year, like a year in the, in, the, in the project that we're doing, the strategy from the management is still not clear. What do they want to do with that product? What's the vision for the product? They're thinking about sales and marketing and have all of that on control. But if you ask them like, what are you going to do in three years with your product, they have no clue. Mm -hmm. And that, that terrifies me sometimes. Uh, we work with them to actually it's get like there. the roadmap and the vision. Yes, and the, and yes the, exactly, yeah. yeah. It yeah. doesn't need to be like very precise, but you should have like an idea, right? And actually, purely sales marketing, I think it's a very good idea to tell that story where you're going to yeah. be in three so, years because it's pre-framing pricing uh, for me. A, a lot of people are afraid of that. So I'm a very, very big fan of doing that. Mm. So I'm, a f I'm not a fan of Big Bang releases, for example. Yeah. I'm also not a fan of like the secrecy, like what Apple is doing. I mean, for yeah. Apple, it makes sense, right? Yeah. But for a SaaS company, um, you want to show people where you're heading to, right? Mm -hmm. So I really like having these kind of blog posts um, that share like the vision where we will be in like two, three years. And you, and can you say, don't like, worry about secrecy because that's yeah. one of the typical ones. And yeah, they so tell, yeah, Michael, we can't talk about that, but then our competition. I'm saying, yeah, but you have to move fast. I mean, yeah. it forces you First of you all, to move you have fast. to move fast. If your competition does the same, yeah. I mean, probably they're already thinking about the same thing, so you need to have to do it anyway. Uh, like for example, AI is very and big now. For if we, if we talk about CRM systems, everyone is going to have an AI to, to, to predict like the, the, how, how successful a deal will be. That's coming to all CRM systems. Yeah. It's not a, that's not secret. And so people are, instead of like, I mean, and every CRM system is already working on that. So instead of like telling the world we're working on that, you can expect this in, and you don't have to set dates. You can say, we are expecting this to be ready in like two years. We have a first version by then. But people are like very secretive about it. And that's very sad because 
probably some users will think like, why don't they have that yet? And then they'll go away and then maybe six months later in, they'll yeah. have that. So Yeah, and I, one, I like the fast, the first mover advantage. And yeah. two, it's not because you say something, it's easy to build. Sometimes no. I'm telling guys, it's not well, because you say that, that, that they can build it well, in a minute. What I really already. like to do is these people with functionality that is not built yet. To see, yeah. to see how what attraction it would be for the functionality. So what, how I like to work a lot is work with the designers and the product team to actually make functionality. Um, sometimes it's even clickable interface. Yeah. Um, and 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 write a blog post about that. Check the appetite. Yeah. For, Check yeah. what people like about it. Maybe already do some user testing with it. And only when it's validated, we bring it to the engineering team to actually build it. That's also a big mistake that a lot of people make. Is like. You have like a founder going to do sales every day, right? And they, after a day of sales, they come into the office and they have talked with like five customers on that day and they go to the engineering team. We have to build this, this, and this by tomorrow. And then they start building it. So let me ask you a question because I have that discussion from time to time. Typically, I have like two profiles of CEOs. One says, you know, our customers do not know what they want. I call it the model T or the model A from Ford. You can pick anything as long as it's black. And then the other one is, no, we need to listen to our customers. So what's your opinion? It depends on the business, right? It really depends on what the business you're in. Um, so if you look at Basecamp, for example, I don't know if you know Basecamp, yeah. product management system, they say our customers don't know what, what they want. And they are right. Because Basecamp is good because of its simplicity, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're building a product that needs to be simple, don't listen to your customers. Because then... You will overcomplify. Yeah, yeah they, will, they will want to do crazy things. And what we say is, instead of doing the crazy things, find a workflow that works for the customer and start educating educating about that workflow. Other way around, if you're a very specialized product, then definitely you need to uh, you need to actually follow the whole yeah. or, uh, structure of Isn't the- also, typically, the, the bigger you go, the bigger the bigger companies try to sell to like big corporates, they will have their own flow and whatever you say, they'll say, yeah, yeah, all nice, but I want you to add that, 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 yeah, because that's, this is the that's, way that's how why, That's why you need to be very clear on what your segment is going to be. Yeah. Are you for SMBs? Are you for mid-enterprise? Are you for larger organizations? And it's impossible, trust me, it's impossible to build a product that works for everyone. I wanted to ask, can you combine? No, no. So you have what to you can do battle. is you can make different uh, interfaces for the same product, right? That are working on different tiers. Um, so you can say we have like one CRM system, but we're building a very simple interface for, for, for freelancers, another for SMB, and another for enterprise. That's possible with the but same backend. But essentially the same features almost. Yeah, maybe there are some more features or more permission schemes and stuff like that on the, on the more advanced version, but it's impossible to have the same interface. That's for, for sure. Very good. At the end, I always ask my guests some questions. Sure. So I have the big black Bible of tough questions. First one is because I hear you have multiple companies, you're going from left to right. How do you focus? How do you bring focus to whatever you're doing? It's a very good question. <laughs> Not. <laughs> um, I, I try to execute very quickly on the, on the decisions I make. I think that's one of the things that I, I like to do. But I'm a very chaotic pers- person uh, overall. I have good people around me mm-hmm. that help me doing the right things. Um, but yeah, how do I focus? When I really need to focus, like writing stuff and, and things, I have a, an application called BrainFM. I don't know if you ever heard about yeah. it. It's like use brainwaves to like put yourself in like a focus mode. That's something that I would use. Um, but yeah, focus for me is something very it's difficult. An issue. Yeah. So in the same context, how do you say no? As in people come to you with a lot of ideas, a lot of projects. Yeah, how, so how do you that's cut the very, crap? Or? That's actually very easy for us because we know what we want to work on. One of the one of the parameters we have set is that we only want to work 
on products that are the core product that the company is selling. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to work on a utility of another company. So we really want to work on the core product. That's one thing. But second, we only want to work for, on products that we would love ourselves. So we really want to put the energy in a product um, because we like the product. Mm -hmm. And if we don't have that, that feeling with the product, we're not going to do it. Okay. And it's the same with any kind of projects. Um, of course, we get a lot of questions. Um, I say a lot of yes. That's not a problem. I'm a very energetic person. I can, I have a presentation squeezing 36 hours in one day. So, I mean, I managed to, to get all that stuff done. And um, sometimes, of course, you need to cancel things, but for now it, it works pretty well. <laughs> so where, where do you get your inspiration? What inspires you? Books, um, movies? So I, I always say I have no culture. <laughs> so I don't watch movies. I only watch documentaries. Um, but first of all, books. Um, Earlier it was, was like Twitter and, and, and a lot of blogs and, and, and reading all that stuff, but actually kind of faded away. I read books now, or I try to read books. I have an application called Blinkist, I don't know if yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, book yeah. summaries. So I read them first, I listen first on Blinkist, and then if I like it, uh, I'll buy the book. Um, and then also my team. So my team, we have a, a bunch of uh, 23 people that every day they share. We, our company, one of our, our values is sharing is caring, and we really live that. So our people share information every day with us. It's all about management, it's about leadership, it's about engineering, it's about product. And so we get a huge in-stream of information mm -hmm. uh, every day. It's really incredible. And it really helps me to stay on top of things. That's a cool yeah. idea. Nobody actually told me that one yet. Yeah. So and what's your biggest mistake you've made up till now that you should really oh. never ever do again? Um, that's a good question. I think it's very tough for me. Um, one of the things that I did is, and it's actually not a mistake, it's people might perceive it as a mistake, but I went, uh, in 2014, I left Major Love behind. Um, I went on, a, I went working in San Francisco for a startup there, to, to co-found a startup there. And um, so we, I left the team behind, I think we were 15 back then. And with my co-founder as well, Jonas, uh, who was leading the company back then. Um, and so I left them behind. And, and actually after a year in, I came back and it was, People thought it was a mistake, like why are we coming back? But the thing is that leaving the team behind for, for a year showed me that they can live without me like micromanaging them every day. That's one thing. But also it really showed that we as a team are a very strong group of people yeah. and they don't always need me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that really was a learning opportunity for everyone in the company. I think, I think for scale, the biggest one, yeah. the biggest mistakes you can do is thinking that yeah. you need to micromanage. So, but, but uh, I mean, until you step out, that's the only moment that you, that you realize that. Yeah. So, as a last question, where can we learn more about you or your company? Uh, definitely on our website. We have a new website in this year. Um, we are running also. And the website is midwithlove.be. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can uh, you can follow me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, we'll put it all in the description. Yeah, sure. Now. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for joining this You're show. If you like what you've seen, give it a thumbs up and subscribe for a lot more shows coming. Especially when we've built a complete new studio. I'm sure we're going to let you know. Hope to see you soon. Catch you later. Bye.